Eric, if there was one thing you could say that would define a successful season for you, for the Broncos, either or, what would it be? to MHR Radio Podcast. That's Mile High Radio Podcast. I am Ian Henson. I'm joined with the lovely and graceful Kyle Montgomery. No one's ever called me lovely and graceful before. How are you all doing, everybody? (laughs) And of course, we have uh, Jan Wang, who not to be confused with um, John Elway. It's Jan Wang. And he's going to be silent for a little while, but he's he's definitely here. I can see him. Um, That was a good week three, Kyle. How did you? How was your? How was your last week? My week was awesome. I was able to go to Denver, cover the game from the press box. That was a lot of fun. It was a little chaotic. It was a one-day trip for me. I was in Denver for just about twenty-four hours, twenty-eight hours or so, and so it was a whirlwind experience. Got a lot done in that amount of time. But first and foremost, was able to watch a week three preseason game. And then there's a Joe Flacco. Outrageous. Joe. <laughs> Joe Flacco seems like he was just here. Um, Kyle's actually probably more upset about this than I am, but so I'll let Kyle take over on this one. Okay, it is outrageous that anybody would put the opposing team's quarterback on our stadium. Um, I understand trying to hype up the big game, trying to get a lot of you know publicity, and trying to make it like a Super Bowl type event, but it's not. It's the season opener in Denver. It's a Denver Broncos home game. Get Joe Flacco's face off my stadium, and it's it, this thing is huge. I'm, you guys, um, we've had it, we had it on the um, the milehighreport.com homepage for a decent amount of time today. There's there's a uh, petition to have it taken off, which sign um, the petition. <laughs> we'll have a link to that probably in the uh, when we post this interview or when we post this podcast. But um, I mean, petitions have done pretty well. Last year, last year the Broncos um, Sports Authority, Sports Authority's colors are not orange; uh, they're red, and they're like Chiefs red. They're like Kansas City Chiefs red. And the big sign on the side high was uh, Sports Authority Field, and it was red as Chiefs blood. And um, it was removed, <laughs> kind of because there was an uprising. I don't know that the NFL is going to really care what, what uh, Denver wants to do with Joe Flacco, though. Unfortunately. <laughs> The way I understand it is that outside of the stadium banner, anyway, the you know if you just take the the stadium banner for what it is, it's a giant picture of Peyton Manning and Joe Flacco and the NFL opening night. Okay, I actually kind of get it. That builds excitement for the game. I can live with that. What I cannot live with, what the dude will not abide, is (laughs) the Joe Flacco banners all over town. I ran a 5K in Denver, this charity 5K for this great organization, the uh, Jessica Redfield uh, Scholarship Foundation. Jessica Redfield is, uh, was an aspiring female journalist who uh, died in the Aurora shootings last year. So there's, there's a lot of uh, Denver sports media publicity around her and support for her. So I was you know, honored to be able to run for that. Uh, and I was running downtown. Those banners were up there right where I was running the next day. I thought to myself, man, if those things were up there – I, I would have been pulling a Vic Lombardi. I don't know if you guys have followed Vic Lombardi, the CBS sportscaster. Um, CBS, right? He, he recently moved or something. He's a Denver sportscaster. He's, he, he's on CBS. Uh, he has a radio show on 104.3. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, but he was out there you know, defacing Joe Flacco, which every Broncos fan should. We highly support the defacing of Joe Flacco in Denver. 
uh, please, by all means, go do that, everyone in Denver. <laughs> and uh, one quick thing, I have kind of buried the lead with jumping into the Joe Flacco story. Um, we have Eric Decker and, and, and Jesse James on the show. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry that I didn't announce that right off the top. We have oh, that's okay. In about we, we, 10 we, minutes. <laughs> it's okay. We, we will. Decker will understand. They'll understand. We, we have exclusive interviews with Eric Decker and his wife, Jesse James. I was able to get that via New Era head, headwear, New Era Caps, the official headwear of the NFL and the Denver Broncos. They were having a photo shoot there. I get to watch Eric Decker get a lot of makeup put on him and thought, man, this is a manly football player getting makeup put on him for pictures. Um, but it was fun. He was he was very gracious with his time and generous with his time. And then as was his lovely wife, Jesse James, she gave us a few minutes too to talk about their upcoming reality show, to talk about life on the road um, as a country star and as a Denver Broncos player. And uh, I think people will enjoy it. We'll, we'll get to that after our mid-podcast break. So I get the I get the final word on the Joe Flacco thing. And my my thing is, you know what? If we hadn't let them win, it wouldn't be Joe Flacco's picture on Mile High. Next year we just don't let it happen again. <laughs> we oh, wouldn't have but, a situation. <laughs> so if they beat us, we can have Joe Flacco posters all around our town for the next year. Like we oh that will just infuriate me even more. We we are going to defeat the Ravens. I'll give you the last word. Let me say one more. We will defeat the Ravens, and then we will take down that giant-ass banner from the top of my life stadium. We will create a ladder, a human ladder of Broncos fans <laughs> to remove the Joe Flacco banner and burn it. Burn it in the middle of the stadium for national television to see. Joe Flacco, your face is burning to the ground of Mile High Stadium. I would go ahead and I would assume that that poster is down by... September 5th, which is the Friday following the game. But, um, yeah, I don't really need a, uh, a last word. I, I I get it. I don't um, see the big deal. I, I see the disrespect, but it's not like, I don't know, whatever. Um, so week three, Broncos played the St. Louis Rams. What, what stuck out most in your mind on, on week three, Kyle? I really enjoyed my view from the press box, and I'll tell you why. I in times past when I've gone, I thought I didn't like it as much because I didn't get the close-up action. I didn't get to see the replays as well. For one thing, the Broncos have improved the press box just like they improved the whole stadium. There are widescreen, high-definition TVs all over Mile High Stadium now this year that did $30 million of improvements, including the giant scoreboard. But uh, the, So in the press box, they have some new ones as well. So I was able to see, you know, challenges and things like that. I was able to see the CBS broadcast, so that was very helpful. And I was able to see it well. It wasn't just a smaller TV. Um, but then, I don't know, I just, I got into it this time. Uh, maybe it was just where the Broncos sat me. It was a little closer to the middle of the field. I really enjoyed the bird's eye view, and I, I was able to see formations. I was able to see blocking as a whole. I mean, I'm not able to go and zoom in with my eyes on Ryan Clady like I would from home on a television screen, but I was able to see him block and block particularly well. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me was the impact of Ryan Clady, him coming back, him coming back to the Broncos made all the difference in the world for this blocking game, for this running game. It was good to see 78 back at left tackle. Yeah. What stuck out to me was that first quarter when you saw, um, you saw the offense, Peyton Manning offense. And just, just to give you perspective on it, I think the Broncos ran 39 plays on offense in the first quarter. Um, generally in the NFL, you'd see 60 to 70 plays uh, per game on offense. And, and you know, you've, you, there was much, much made about Chip Kelly 
coming into the league um, and the, the Oregon offense that they ran, um, the, the Eagles throughout the first entire first half in their game did not hold a single huddle and still managed to run. I think I, off the top of my head, I know it was just over 50 plays in the first half. So we almost we almost beat them in the first quarter. So when you know talking about this Chip Kelly offense, Peyton Manning's going to have teams just dying. And and to me, you know, you you took up talk about what's what's going on on defense with missing Von Miller for six weeks. I don't know that the defense is going to see the field all that much with, with at this rate. You're going to have defensive or you know the the away team's going to come in here and just not be able to breathe. They, they're not conditioned for this altitude. The defense uh, for the Broncos did not have to stay on the field long. The time of possession difference was something like 18 and a half minutes to 10 and a half minutes in the first half. The Broncos offense was part of that, but then the defense was too. They were able to get off the field. If we see that without the turnovers, the Broncos will be dominant like expected all offseason. They will be dominant this year. It's just the turnovers. They got to watch it. Ronnie Hillman had the fumble, returned for a touchdown, and Peyton Manning threw the interception. Uh, those were two first half turnovers, and that's why the score at the end of the half was 20 to 10. Dominated statistically, dominated time of possession, down in the scoreboard. Right. And I think, um, you know, Ronnie Hillman, he had in week two, he had the two fumbles. He had that one that Pete Carroll could have challenged and it would have been overruled. It was definitely a fumble. The refs just didn't see it and Pete Carroll didn't didn't bother to challenge it. But that's as many fumble. Uh, Willis McGahee is kind of jettisoned out of Denver. He had five fumbles last year in the entire, you know, 10, 10 or 11 games that he was, that he was healthy for five fumbles, get him out of here. Ronnie Hillman had three in two weeks in preseason in limited play. And, 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 you know, the most troubling thing to me about that is Ronnie Hillman after the game gets interviewed. He says, I had the ball secured. He just ripped it away from me. So that's yeah, the, that's Ron, the Ronnie best. Hillman Ronnie needs to Hillman learn to get down. He needs to learn to get down. And Peyton Manning said it as much. He said, well, the things I tell Ronnie Hillman will stay between me and Ronnie Hillman. He was respectful of that. But then he also said, I think Ronnie Hillman will learn from it. And I think he will too. He has to learn. He has to learn to get down. And he, it, it's a skill and a talent in the NFL. And it's an undervalued skill. It's not talked about. But it is to know when the play is over, to know when to go down. You're fighting for to make a play. You're fighting for extra yards. But when you do that, you're putting your team at risk. And it's a skill that I think Monte Ball has from his experience in Wisconsin that perhaps Ronnie Hillman doesn't yet. Right. You got Monte Ball starting at uh, running back the last, you know, this week in, in uh, for the Broncos. So I think, I mean, that you're not game planning for Arizona at this point. You're game planning for, for Baltimore. The starters aren't going to play against uh, in week four. So you got Monte Ball likely the starter for at least the Baltimore game, if not, if not more. Um, couple, I don't know about that. Yeah, honestly, that was one practice, and it sounds like even today, that was yesterday's practice, which was, I'm sorry, that was Tuesday's that practice. That was Monday. Okay, Monday's yeah, practice. thank you. Monday's practice that Monte Ball took the, start, the starting reps, and then even Tuesday, reportedly Hillman was kind of back as the number one back. So it's very fluid. We don't know what to expect yet, uh, and I don't know what to expect for Thursday's game. Ping Manning won't play, but other starters might play a little bit. Right, and you got a rotation. I mean, it's 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 impossible right now to say who the starting, and it doesn't really matter who the starting defensive tackles are because every every practice there's two new guys. It might be Knighton and and Sylvester Williams. It might be Unrine and Williams. Um, you know, it's it's kind of, they're kind of just putting everybody there, and you can't really tell who the starter is necessarily. And then the way that they're going to run the rotation at defensive tackle, it doesn't really matter who the starter is. It's just a name. Like that's not the person who's going to be taking the predominant. You know, they're going to swap them out. 
Um, we were having that conversation today between, you know, you're going to keep four defensive in and four defensive tackles. That's eight, eight guys in the defensive line. They're just going to keep swapping out in different situations. Um, a couple quick injuries uh, from that game who returned on Tuesday were uh, Robert Ayers was back. Who else? Who am I missing? There's two other guys that were that were out. Uh, Omar Bolden is back. Um, and then Derek Wolf practiced today. Or Derek Wolf practiced Tuesday. So Derek Wolf is back as well. So we have three guys that we weren't really sure of. Two of them are starters in Robert Ayers and Derek Wolf, and they were back on the practice field on Tuesday. And um, on Monday, the Broncos released 11 players from their 90-man roster. And then on Tuesday, they raised two more. Was there anybody anybody that really stuck out to you of those, those first 11, Kyle? Greg Orton. He's the one I talked about the most uh, during the article. But the Broncos put him on the waived injured list. He cleared waivers, so now he is on injured reserve. His injury doesn't merit a season-ending status. The Broncos you know, are doing what teams do sometimes when they want to keep a player. Uh, but... They might reach an injury settlement with Greg Orton. That would be to his best interest to get free of the Broncos and try to land on another team. I don't know if he would. Um, so that's a little bit of an interesting situation to keep an eye on. If they reach an injury settlement, Greg Orton will become a free agent able to sign with any team. I'm not sure if a team would sign him based on strong training camp reports. They didn't get to see him in preseason this year. So it might be in his best interest just to sit tight for a, a year and, uh, play his best in 2014 for the Broncos. Yeah. And, and just go over the entire list. Uh, we had Camonte Bateman, who was a wide receiver out of New Mexico State. We had Mario Butler, who was a cornerback out of Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech who was on his second year. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, his name. I always screw it up. Manasseh Fochetti, who was a tackle from West Texas A&M. Ryan Katz, who was the quarterback at San Diego State. Um, Yono... Cavienga. I'm, I'm listening to the Denver radio guys, and I am both murdering his name. I'm so sorry. I do believe it's Yona. Uh, Nigel Malone, who was um, brought in late into camp. Quincy McDuffie was a wide receiver. Uh, McDuffie was the one who uh, Dominic Rogers Camardi turned his ankle when he was covering him one-on-one. Uh, Quincy McDuffie and Greg Orton were both waived injured. D'Angelo Patterson um, was brought in late on in training camp to, at tight end to fix some injuries. He what? And Quentin Salisbury, okay. a center in the guard Is from Mississippi State, that, he kind of had a rough that, time that, that being that he got a DUI in the offseason. And then Lanson Tanyi, okay. who was a defensive end from Colorado State. And then today, so, we had uh, Quentin Carter, or today, Tuesday, you had uh, Quentin Carter placed on injured reserve, and J.D. Walton was put on the PUP list. Now, Kyle, PUP list, they can't play for the first six weeks. That's That's the case, right? Yeah, that's correct. And then at, for that point, they have until, I believe, week 11 uh, to – that's how long the team has to either Send let the guy practice and play in the regular season or they got to play some on injured reserve. But that's how long they have to make that decision. So post that sixth week, they could have him play in seventh week. And I think the rule with the NFL is the player only needs to practice one game. So – or I'm oh, sorry, practice one day. So if they oh, you know okay. put J.D. Walton out on the field on Thursday, they're going to have him – available for that Sunday game. Um, the the one, I guess, that's thrown the most debate around uh, Mile High report has been C.J. Anderson. I have an idea. I'm going I'm to install C.J. Anderson that, did make the 75-man roster. However, right, following to, Thursday's um, game, the Broncos had to, search for a thing cut it back down to 53. Do you think C.J. Anderson is one of those 53, Kyle? M.P. 
Gun to my head right now, I don't. Right. He's trying to get healthy. He's working furiously to get healthy. You see him on Twitter. He's tweeting about it almost every day, about how he's waking up and working on his knee. And he's an interesting follow that way. It's uh, I've retweeted it a couple of times from the Mile High Report Twitter. But I don't see him making the team. I don't think one decent to strong preseason game is enough to put this undrafted rookie on the roster this year. Um, he had... He had a decent game. It wasn't spectacular. I don't think it wowed other teams. I think other rookie yeah, running backs yeah. had stronger games that week and have had stronger games since. So I think C.J. Anderson would be safe to clear waivers. That's my guess. I don't know if the Broncos feel the same way. If they think yeah, there's a good chance the, the somebody else will pick him off, then he'll make the team. But otherwise, I think he's a good practice squad candidate, and I don't think he needs to go on injured reserve either. Right. What you have to, what I think fans need to remember is that no one is 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 taking as much information on the Broncos as fans are. So it's exactly you know, we're going to have a report about C.J. Anderson or whatever, whatever it may be. They didn't have scouts on. They didn't have scouts out there at, at training camp. They didn't have. Uh, you know, we saw him for run for what 40, 39 yards or something in week one, and yeah, he looked great, but he, he ran for thirty nine yards. So it's not like <laughs> it's not like he was. Um, doing 12 Davis numbers out there. Yeah. And teams do have scouts here and there. They're scouting other players, but it's not going to be the type of obsession that Broncos fans have. And the Broncos fans are obsessed with this running back position this year. It is a a very fluid position. We talked a little bit about Ronnie Hillman and Monte ball already. No Sean Moreno was in the mix. I think between those three and Jacob Hester at fullback, the Broncos have their roster running backs. I don't think they need that fourth slash fifth guy this year. The when I'm building my 53-man roster. And I plan on having a projected 53-man roster uh, on the website either uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I wanted to point out during – I did this on Twitter at the Orange page. On, um, yeah, that should do it. Uh, during the game was that Lance Ball looked good. You know, like Lance Ball looked had better numbers than Ronnie Hillman. And no one's worried about Lance Ball going anywhere. He scored a touchdown. He ran, you know, he had an average of, of just over four yards a carry. Didn't fumble. And we're not really worried about losing yeah, Lance Ball. Uh, I don't know what the big concern, what the major concern is with CJ Anderson. So I mentioned the 75-man roster, which is where we are. We're at the 75-man roster now. Where do you see – okay, who's, who's your big name from, from that 75 that you think has gone before the, before the 53-man Ooh, like a veteran? Yeah, like, like a, like a veteran. veteran unexpected. Ooh, I, I've got a couple of names. Uh, I think one possibility. I, I was thinking one possibility, but then uh, Tuesday's news changed it a little bit. You know, when Quentin Carter got placed on injured reserve, that opened it up for Mike Adams to stay. I thought Mike Adams was at risk and that he might not make the roster and he'd be a big name to lose because he wasn't bad for us last year as a starter, uh, but he's lost his starting job to Duke Nacho. Um, so I'm going to say he makes the roster now based on that. I'll give you my name, my guy. Um, and this one is, it's kind of tough to talk. Well, I've got a few other guys and this is all just conjecture. This is all just kind of predicting, but I think Quentin Jammer doesn't make the team. I thought he had a good shot because of his versatility. I mean, the Broncos brought him in as a free agent this year and he played backup corner and he was trying to make the move to safety, but the move to safety didn't really work for him. And I think the Broncos have a lot of cornerbacks and they have young cornerbacks yeah. in Omar Bolden who practiced Tuesday after the ankle injury and Kayvon Webster, the rookie who hasn't looked bad at all. Um, 
they have enough cornerbacks where Quentin Jammer is kind of a talented, experienced guy. He hasn't shown real bright, and he's kind of a man without a place on this roster. So I think Quentin Jammer is the big veteran cut this year. See, if I'm looking at players to keep, I'm keeping Quentin Jammer. My, I guess my big name cut would be Omar Bolden, even though he's not a vet necessarily. Jammer to me, you know, you have your second, your second team defense plays your first team offense, and your first team defense plays your second team offense. So that puts you at, you know, you have Omar Bolden covering Demarius Thomas, and um, maybe Kayvon Webster covering Eric Decker, and, and still Chris Harris on on Wes Welker or someone, some some fashion of that. And I'd rather have Quentin Jammer covering Demarius Thomas every day in in uh, practice than I would have Omar Bolden or Kayvon Webster. But um, I would it's, disagree. It's I mean, of, just from looking at practice, I think Omar Bolden played better this year, and I think he was better than Quentin Jammer. But that's just practice. Yeah. You look at you look at um, and then people think of Quentin Jammer. You know, they, they hear about what he did at safety. Quentin Jammer is not a safety. He's a corner. And you saw him in just a limited time. Um, in week three, I can say that guy owned the field for the, but he, you know, then again, he's playing the third team offense. So I don't know that that's uh, a fair, a fair comparison. So my, my um, big name vet would be, I think it might be Stuart Bradley. I don't see. Yeah. That one's come kind of up recently. Yeah. I don't see him. I, I could, maybe you could IR him, you know, um, but you got, you got Wesley Woodyard there. In six weeks, we got Nate Irving there, and then we have uh, Stephen Johnson, who's not a bad who's not a bad middle linebacker at all. And I, I just don't. There's no no room for Stuart Bradley on the team, in my opinion. At, at that point, Stephen Johnson is the helmetless monster. That tackle was so <laughs> awesome. That was so incredible to see. I really was floored by that. Actually, yeah, that was that was that was good football there. Watching. Um, Steven Johnson tackle on special teams. It was terrible football, but it was awesome at the same time. That was the worst fundamental football. Your first, <laughs> your first rule of fundamentals is don't tackle someone without a helmet. But Steven Johnson was like, <laughs> I go get you anyway. <laughs> All right. So we got um, Eric Decker and Jesse James coming up right now. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, fans, to MHR Radio. We are thrilled to have with us Eric Decker. Eric Decker's interview, I was able to talk to him Sunday, the day after the preseason three victory. Uh, And this interview was brought to us by New Era Caps. Get your New Era hat. Speak with your cap. Um, NewEra.com and Twitter at New Era Caps. So here we go. We're going to cut over to this Eric Decker interview I did on Sunday. All right, here live with Eric Decker. Broncos star wide receiver for the MHR radio podcast and milehighreport.com. Eric, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Good. Looks like you're busy today. It's your day off, but you got yeah. a promotion here going on, and that's keeping you busy all the same on your day off. Oh, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's fun to, to be out here with New Air, you know, the official headwear uh, of the NFL, and, and just to, to be a representative of it um, is fun. You know, don't like working on Sundays and your off days, but you got to do what you got to do. Understand that. Uh, last night, the Broncos beat the Rams 27-26 in preseason, week three. It's kind of your final warm-up before the regular season. How ready do you guys think you are? Well, I think yesterday um, was a good outing for us just as far as playing up-tempo, um, executing some of the you know plans that we had going in and and really you know scoring touchdowns and having an 80-play drive, um, you know, ended in a touchdown. Uh, there's some turnovers that I think, you know, 
hurt us big times, and there's, there's mistakes that we need to learn from. But uh, overall, it was a good dress rehearsal. You had uh, six catches. It was by far more than you had in previous preseason games. Did it feel good to get out there and be productive yourself? Yeah, it felt good uh, to get into a little rhythm, um, you know, to get some catches and, and just get the feel again for uh, that game type atmosphere. You know, uh, you, it's hard to simulate it in practice. Um, you know, we haven't played much in the first or second game. So to get out there, play a full half into the third quarter uh, was nice to, to be part of it. A lot of people have talked about the addition of Wes Welker and what that's going to bring to the offense this year. And some people have thought that it might take away some of your opportunities, take away some footballs. How can you spread the football around that much? What do you say to that? You know, um, every game is going to be different. I, I think Wes is, is a huge threat. He's going to be a big part of the offense. Um, and I think it really depends on the schemes and, and what the defense is bringing week in, week out. Um, I'm not too concerned of how many catches, how many yards I have. And I don't think uh, either Demarius or Wes or anyone else in that case is too too concerned. Um, Peyton's going to make sure to spread the ball around and just throw it to the open guy. So my job and all I'm worried about is just getting open and, and making uh, every opportunity count. You have uh, set franchise records your first three years in the in the, with the Broncos, most yeah. number of touchdowns in those three years. Um, with the addition of Welker, do you see yourself even getting more opportunities to find the end zone perhaps, uh, some, kind of going the other way with it then? Well, I think I think it's possible. You know, I think defenses again they can't um, cloud and, and, and move safeties over to certain spots when you got a guy inside that's uh, a threat. And uh, we'll have more opportunities on the outside with one-on-one -on -one coverage. Um, you know, plays be made. And, and again, that's uh, what I said before was just when the opportunities present themselves, you got to make the play. And uh, I think along with that too is our running game. You know, with West in there. He's going to get better as well, and that's just going to open up uh, the coverage downfield. What are your impressions of Monte Ball so far this season? Uh, I was a big fan of Monte. You know, being a Big Ten guy, uh, got to see him play a lot. You know, I think he runs the ball really good. Um, in that type of offense, he was in college. They didn't do a lot of pass blocking, so he's been getting better at that at camp. And um, I think overall, he's a smart, tough football player, and, and that's what Coach Fox and and uh, John Elway have brought to this team. He said yesterday he had that dropped catch that was you know, kind of a high-profile yeah. drop catch in the red zone. He said he was looking ahead to the run after the catch before he actually caught the ball. Is that something you ever suffered from early oh, in the yeah. career? Yeah, of course. You know, um, even at times last year, if, uh, we call it leaving the, airport, leaving the airport without your luggage. You know, you got to make sure that you wash the ball all the way in. And, and that's the tendency when you want to make a play and get some yards after the catch uh, that you kind of leak your, your eyes away. But, um, again, that's a simple mistake. That's, that's something that's correctable, and and, uh, and he can learn from that. When you get back to work, your regular day job with the Broncos, do you expect to be focusing on the Ravens game, or do you still have the Cardinals' fourth preseason game to look forward to? You know, I, I think this this last game is, uh, is really an opportunity for a lot of the younger players and guys um, on the bubble to make this team. Um, our focus, you know, is going to be staying healthy and I think getting ready for that Baltimore game because uh, I know everybody in town is excited, you know, and, and we're excited to get the season kicked off at home. How important is that first game just from a revenge factor? Do you guys take that into account, losing that division game? Is this season opener really important to you guys personally? Well, I think that game, you know, will never uh, go away. You know, it's something that will stay with me f f probably forever. And um, 
uh, if it's the Baltimore, if it's Kansas City, if it's you know New England, whoever it may be, the first game is always important because you set the tone for the identity of, of your team and, and who you want to be. And I think we have to come out, again, uh, execute at a high level, be a physical, tough team, and, and make sure that we play our best football. John always spoke during the offseason. He said he wanted guys here to feel uncomfortable. How do you feel right now as the regular season approaches? I think ultimately this entire offseason, uh, we were challenged you know, as a team to, to, to be better. And that's you know, the small things as far as you know, making sure everybody's in the medium rooms five minutes early. Uh, you know, guys are uh, in the weight room doing the, doing the right thing, taking care of themselves in the, in the uh, training room. And on the football field, making sure you line up, making sure you know the details of your plays. I think all of those things have been stressed so much that it does make you feel a little uncomfortable, but it makes you play at a higher level under pressure. And that's something that uh, has helped us in you know, stressful situations and games to, to execute better and, and just to be overall a more successful team. Uh, I'm here with Eric Decker, star receiver of the Denver Broncos, talking to MHR Radio and MileHighReport.com. Uh, Eric, if there was one thing you could say that would define a successful season for you, for the Broncos, either or, what would it be? It's getting a trip to the Super Bowl, you know. Um, that should be the goal with, with every team in the NFL is that that's why you play the game, um, is to get that championship and, and say you're the best. You know, um, so that, that's that's ultimately our goal, and the way you get there is by having short-term goals and taking really that team right now for us is Baltimore, taking them, focusing our attention on them, and uh, giving ourselves the best chance to win. I wanted to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about your uh, wife. Congratulations, the new wins and everything like that. Uh, how excited are you guys for the premiere of your television show? And tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, you know we're uh, we're very excited. Um, it was it was a fun, uh, very different uh, experience, but uh, overall, you know, we're happy with with uh, how they I guess put it together, uh, done very tastefully, and and it premieres I believe September 27th. So we're excited too to see it and just uh, I guess celebrate it with with friends and family that have been on the show as well uh what to expect you know um jessica's a very uh funny uh witty you know woman and, and for me it's just my reactions it's uh i'm not the funny guy but it's really the lead up to our wedding you know balancing our careers uh taking little trips with one another and and, and having fun through the whole opportunity and showing the love that we have for one another it's obviously an opportunity for the both of you being in the entertainment industry, but how hard was that to find that balance between your personal life and allowing these cameras into your life? It, it was tough. You know, it, like you said, there, there has to be a balance, and, um, and Jess actually uh, quit a few times and fired a few people just because, you know, they, they tried to do things a certain way that didn't represent us as who we are, and uh, <laughs> very fortunate to have her on my side to, to, uh, to be... You know, making those calls and, and pushing people around because we want it to be done the right way. We want it to be uh, shown in, in, a, in a good light and be really a role model for young kids. And, and just, I think the biggest thing is we're, we're both, you know, she's a military kid. I'm from a small town, had good, uh, good, I guess, morals and, and the lifestyle we had growing up. We kind of earned the way uh, 
uh, to where we are. So we want to share that that anyone can can do what's what we do is just you know live a dream out and, and really work hard and uh, take take advantage of every opportunity you get. Here with Eric Decker, star receiver of the Broncos, uh, thanks to New Era Headwear, official headwear of the NFL and the Denver Broncos for allowing us to appear on MHR Radio, allowing yeah. Eric some of his time. I wanted to ask just a couple more Broncos questions, then yeah. I'll, I'll let you go. Peyton Manning, the second year in Denver, what is different about him this year than last? I think it's just uh, his comfort level, you know, with, with this organization, with the guys that uh, are surrounding him. You know, to build that relationship between a quarterback and a skilled player takes time. And, you know, I think last year we did a really good job of, of speeding that up and and having success this year is just a whole nother step up and, and we expect better things out of all of us. You know, I, I think everyone in the locker room understands, you know, just what Peyton brings to this team, but what this team is now and what our identity is and, and what we really have at stake and what we can do. So uh, it, it's been amazing playing with him, you know, going the second year. I, I feel like I've really matured as a professional and, and have learned a lot from him. What can Broncos fans expect from you this year? Well, hopefully, you know, better than last year. That's, that's always a goal. Um, and uh, personally, I'd like to be more consistent and more reliable. Um, and I think, you know, being the same person every day, that's, that's the biggest thing is who you are on Monday is who you got to be on Sunday. And, and uh, that's how I practice. That's how I am in other parts of my life. And that's what people can expect. Is being consistent more important than scoring any number of touchdowns or anything like that? Uh, definitely, because that stuff will take care of itself. You know, like I said, when the opportunities present themselves in games, you got to make the plays. And if you're doing it on Tuesdays, you're doing it on Wednesdays, you're doing it in practice, it's going to carry over because I really believe how you practice, how you play. So you got to be consistent with who you are because that's the only way you can get better. Eric Decker, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again to Eric for taking the time to talk with us, talk about the 2013 season. I love the way he uh, talked about that Ravens game last year, sticking with him maybe forever. And I think a lot of Broncos fans feel the same way. I also had the opportunity to talk with Eric's wife, Jesse James, the country star, and they are starring in a reality show, as I talked to Eric about a little bit. Uh, it's going to premiere on E! Network next month. So without further ado, here's a quick little interview with Jesse James. He's so talented and works so hard, and it's just great to see all the success he's been having. Do you go to each game in person, or do you follow him from home when during the regular season on his away games? Um, I do not go to the away games. I do go to all of the home games, but um, I watch from at home. Eric likes me to be at home when he gets home from the games, and that would not be possible if I traveled with him because they come home immediately. So he definitely likes wifey at home. What about uh, your music career? Does that bring you on tour or anything like that? Is that a, a difficult schedule to juggle? My music career has definitely suffered greatly <laughs> due to getting married and um, being, you know, with Eric. His career is so demanding, and he really likes to have me home and be around. So it's definitely been like hard to maintain my career, but I still am recording, and I'm about to release uh, a single in a couple of months. Excellent. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, another part of your career seems to be, you know, skyrocketing a little bit. You have a television show coming out soon. How excited are you for that? I'm really excited about our show. Um, it definitely came unexpectedly when we were asked to be a part of it, and we really thought about it for a few months if we even wanted to do something like that. It's so invasive of your privacy, and there's just 
so much that could possibly go wrong, but luckily we had an amazing team around us. We love the e-network. They have been nothing but great to us, and we had a lot of control over what we would do and what we we wouldn't do. So I am excited about it, and I think people are going to really enjoy seeing our home life together. How hard was that to find that balance, and is that something you'll ever do again? Um, I'm not sure if that's something we would do again. I think it depends on how this how it pans out. I think if you were to ask us right now, we'd probably say no, not in a bad way. We just kind of, you know, that's just where we're at right now. We just really enjoy our privacy more than people probably would assume since we're just a reality show. But there's definitely a part of us that really likes to have our alone time. Is it hard interacting with Broncos fans sometimes, or do you like talking to Broncos fans? I love Broncos fans. I love how vocal they are, how opinionated they are, because I'm the same way. So I get it, and I like it. That's great. Thank you so much for a few minutes, Jesse James. Really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right, thanks, Jesse. It was a lot of fun talking to those two. Ian, we are back. We are ready to wrap up this episode of MHR Radio Podcast. Uh, what are your thoughts on preseason week four? I'm really looking forward to uh, watching Brock. I, I, hope, I hope they give Brock Osweiler like a, an actual start with the most of the offense. I, I can imagine like Clady not being out there. But it'd be cool to see him start a game. Demarius, Decker, Walker's not going to come out. But, you know, the, like that type of offense. I don't know that it's going to happen. Uh, I, I'm most excited we got, about We got seeing... a taste of that last time, and it was awesome. I mean, Brock got to operate one drive with the first-team offense. Monte Ball was in there to finish it. But, uh, yeah, it was really good to see Brock get that kind of opportunity. And in reality, I mean, this game's going to decide whether Zach Dicer kind of makes the 53-man roster or whether they, you know, try and – risk him putting him out there and seeing if they can get him back on the practice squad. I, I don't know that Dysart's as bad as advertised. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's... <laughs> I, I, I am advertising he's, it. I've, I've put up ads and commercials. <laughs> Zach Dysart, terrible training camp quarterback. Right. But, uh, you know, Tim Tebow's a terrible training camp quarterback, too, and he, he went to the play. I, I can't say that with a straight face. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking forward to, Kyle? <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the guys who are on the roster bubble make or break their opportunity. I'm looking forward to seeing a guy uh, like Lorente McRae follow up his good performance in week three. If he has another strong performance, he probably makes the roster. And he keeps Denver's streak of undrafted rookies making the team for the last 10 years. He would keep that streak going. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to some of the other undrafted rookies performing. And yeah, like you said, I'm looking forward to seeing Brock and I'm looking forward to seeing no Sean Marino. I'd love to see him just destroy people and give us something to talk about with his running game, running back situation. Right. And you got guys that we really haven't seen much of that, that fans have really wondered about like Contreras Smith, um, uh, Ryan Lilja, like, you know, these guys that, that got here late or were hurt, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll probably get some time. It's, it's possible that Jeremiah Johnson's out there. I mean, you never really know. That's true. Or maybe even C.J. Anderson. I don't know what his status is. I mean, either one of those guys, I don't see a good chance of them playing, but anything's possible. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot riding on Like, like, like Philip Blake. You know, there's there's just guys like that on the team. Who you yeah. know, they, they're not going to make a team unless they unless they look good in this game and, and this is this is the Super Bowl for a lot of guys. I know people hate that preseason uh, week four, but I guess it's it's some 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 of these players. It might be the last time they ever play a game in the NFL. So that's that's what makes it fun about uh, for me. I hate preseason week four. I really, I mean, I enjoy it a little bit, but I pretty much hate it. And I also hate that this year the Arizona game is in Denver. What the hell is up with that? 
I'm an Arizona boy. I'm, I'm always able to go to the Arizona Denver game. It's like every year they go to Arizona for week four. And this year they're going to Denver. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to travel to Denver for week four preseason game. So Sunday you get back from, was it? So, yeah. Sunday, Sunday night, you get back from the Broncos game. You fly in uh, to Arizona and I say, do not read the internet. Just go watch your DVR right now. Do not read the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed away from social bad. media in the airport. I did. I, I knew the potential spoilers were going to be there. I stayed away from Facebook. I stayed away from Twitter all because breaking bad was waiting for me on my parents DVR in Phoenix. I flew into Phoenix. My parents are in Phoenix. So I stayed the night there, drove up early to Flagstaff. And yes, I watched breaking bad at midnight Arizona time. So this is the time to, uh, uh cut us off. If you have not seen the third episode of this final season of breaking bad, but if yawn. you have, we're talking to you, yawn. Yeah. Stop <laughs> we have to tell our producer to our producer has to unplug his his uh, speaker or his headphones right now. What 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 was what was your main uh, thing from the from the video or from the movie? I'm or show curse. TV show. I'm, I'm, I'm going to curse on this family friendly version of MHR Radio podcast. I apologize in advance. My overall arching theme of this episode was holy shit. I mean, <laughs> holy shit. This was incredible. That, that was so well written. The entire sequence where Jesse discovers the truth about the rice and cigarette. He discovers the truth about Brock. Not Brock Osweiler. Young Brock. And <laughs> I, I knew, I mean, I predicted and I always thought this would be the case that the main point of conflict for this season conclusion would not be Walt versus Hank. It would be Walt versus Jesse, and now we're, it's set up. It's Jesse versus Walt, and it sucks because we love those two when they're together and they're buddies and they're working on the same team, and now they're against each other, and that kind of sucks, but it's the way this tragedy has to unfold. Yeah, I mean, Jesse's made his bed and it's got to lay in it. The, the confession video, I thought, oh, was, man. was pretty cool. If you remember back, if you remember back when Walt did his original one, I think the episode was called... Uh, blood money possibly uh yeah it's the complete opposite of that and i think he's that that i think might be the key to the rest of the season is is, is that oh that really was the there. key that, that really when i say everything was so well written everything was completely believable about the way Huel lifted the the uh, drugs from jesse and that really happened by the way i rewatched it you watch that scene closely when jesse bumps into Yule. he really does take take the weed you see him do it excuse me big yule says he, he really took it it was subtle and smooth i had to watch it twice just to see it it was amazing um but no it was so well written because that confessional video that walt did really was checkmate as far What's as that goes on? it was i mean there's nothing that hank can do without somebody to corroborate his story which means he needs jesse and now jesse wants to betray walt so things are set up for okay, a show, huge I'll, showdown I'll show between the three of them. What do we oh, have left? We have five, five episodes, five episodes. left. There's five episodes left. Yeah. Uh, so, and and this is only the third episode, so I can only imagine how much how much uh, deeper it's gonna get. All right, guys. Well, that is it for us on this week of Mile High Report Radio podcast. Um, we'll see you in the comments. Thanks, MHR. We love you guys.